We have been uh, talking about, uh, we've been in a series for quite a while called Empowered to Serve, and we've been looking at the mission of the church and looking at how God has empowered every single one of us as individuals to participate in that mission. You see right up here our, our mission statement, building community, living the mission. God has given his people a mission. He's built a community that who is called to work together, to serve one another, to live like family, and accomplish a mission in the world. And so we've been talking about all different kinds of angles of that. We've been talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and how God has gifted each one of us to play a part in his kingdom and a part of that mission. So would you join me in prayer before we dive into the scripture this morning? Lord, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would be working in each one of our hearts and minds today. Lord, bringing us to knowing you better, understanding your word more thoroughly. Lord, coming closer and closer to the truth and into solid relationship with you. God, I pray that, that as we confront the realities of the scripture today, Lord, that, that you would be speaking to each one of us. We're all in a different place in our maturity, in our walk. We've got different backgrounds. We've got different beliefs for different reasons. God, I pray that you'd be drawing us closer to you today as we look at the scripture. Continue to inspire your children for the mission that you've given us before you ascended into heaven saying, go and make disciples of all nations. There's something that you commissioned to take place on the earth while you have been gone and you gave us the power of your spirit to do that while in this era, in this time. I pray that you'd be encouraging that and stirring it in each one of us as we look at the scriptures today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to recap a couple of thoughts for those of you that haven't been here or have missed some weeks. I want to just make sure we're all on the same page before we go any further. Uh, we've been talking about uh, the idea that Jesus is the good shepherd. He shepherds his sheep. We hear his voice. We follow his lead. We looked at where Jesus was uh, telling his disciples he's going to send the Holy Spirit and what the job of the Holy Spirit would be while he is with us. He's going to be teaching us. He's going to be revealing things to us. He's going to be bringing things to our memory. He's going to be illuminating and prompting that God is with us even now, all around us and in us, leading us. And we've been looking at the idea that, you know, that whenever God is prompting you, whenever he's bringing revelation, whenever he's stirring something inside of you through his Holy Spirit, he's speaking. We use the analogy. He's speaking. He's not necessarily speaking audibly. He's not necessarily speaking to you in clear, plain English, but he's bringing an influence into your soul and you are hearing it. You're perceiving what it is. You're sensing what God's trying to do in your life. And we would say that the Holy Spirit is with us, leading us speaking to us. And that is our heritage as sons and daughters of God, as sheep of his pasture, that we would hear the voice of our shepherd. So not only is God, I think God is speaking all the time, not only that, I think that uh, you and I are, are called to begin to perceive, to listen, to pay attention, and to respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it starts to become, uh, it can become a tension for us because we don't always know if we're hearing clearly. We don't know if, is that, is that the Holy Spirit speaking to me or did I just, you know, is that the pizza I ate at midnight last night? You know, what's going on? Is that, and we have to test things. We're going to look more into that today. So we, we've established the fact that the Holy Spirit is speaking, that you and I can hear, that we can respond, that, that uh, you know, we see that Jesus was led by the Spirit. We see, we looked at a story where Philip, the evangelist, the Holy Spirit prompts him to come up next to an Egyptian riding in a chariot. And there's a massive encounter there where the Egyptian 
you know, Philip witnesses to him and he's baptized on his way back to Egypt. We see that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, speaking and leading us. Peter had a vision on the roof of the house the one day. We looked at that and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he responded to that speaking. And we have this tendency to then go, yeah, but Jared, that was Philip of the Bible. That was Peter of the Bible. Well, that was Jesus. There's no way that God speaks to you and I. He must have other avenues that he does. He does it through people like you who work for the church or through the Bible or whatnot. And those would be true. But Peter makes the argument that on the day of Pentecost, the prophecy of Joel was fulfilled. That the day would come that I will pour out my spirit on all of my children, on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams and young men see visions. And, and on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. See, in the Old Testament times, God spoke through the prophets and it was only individuals and it was occasional It wasn't something that was going on with all of the people all of the time. It was very unique for the Holy Spirit to be at work in somebody's life in the Old Testament. But one of the many benefits of the cross, of what Jesus did for you and I by shedding His blood and the forgiving of our sins, is He also said, it's to your benefit I go away. And I'm going to remind the Father and He's going to send you the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so when Peter's given an explanation to the people on the day of Pentecost, what's going on here? Peter said, the day has come that the Spirit of God is being poured out on all people. All of us have the Spirit of God. He's all around us. He holds all things together. He's inside of us. He's speaking, if you will, to you and I all the time. I believe, and this is what I, the point I've been trying to make, I believe you hear from God. I believe He's speaking all the time. You might not call it that. You might not even understand it to be that. But I would say that's what it is. The Holy Spirit is at work in every single one of our lives, leading us, challenging us, illuminating things for us, prompting us to do things, prompting us not to do things. We talked about how the Holy Spirit sometimes, he uses, he's like an eyebrow guy, right? He just kind of looks at you like, what are you doing? That's God speaking, bringing conviction, guiding us. But it goes even more than that. And that's what I want to dive into today is what maybe is more of a controversial subject. I don't think it needs to be, but it just has become. And it's the idea of prophecy. The idea of prophetic ministry. What does it mean to be prophetic? What does the New Testament say about prophecy? How are we to operate in that in the church? There's no way I'm going to be be able to cover it all today. But I want to just cover some foundational things that I believe and we believe as a church about prophecy. And in some cases, we're going to have to unlearn some of the things that we have learned. We come into a subject like prophecy with so many notions that found their way into our lives at one point or another. But like every single thing else that we learn in our relationship with God, we've got to examine it according to the Scripture. How many of you would say times change? How many of you are not living in the same world you did as a child? It is radically changing all the time. And whatever was true in 1950 is not true today by worldly standards. The world treats truth as subjective. It's up to you. It's your opinion. As a, as a guy who teaches the Bible and has conversations with people a lot, one of the most frustrating things I ever hear from people is that, well, I just believe that. You have to tell me why you believe it. Where did that influence come in? Why do you think the way that you think? Is there a biblical reason for that? Or did you just adopt some notions somewhere along the road of your life? We got to go back to the scripture and go, what does the Bible teach us about God speaking to us? Because here's the thing. Prophecy doesn't have to be this ultra mystical, 
strange kind of idea. To be prophetic is to give report. The, the literal idea of the word prophet or prophecy is to give a report. And that's what we do when we prophesy. We give a report of what we believe the Holy Spirit has said, if you will, to us. So if the Holy Spirit is prompting us, leading us, encouraging us, it's as simple as, you know, if I, I'm, I'm driving down the road and Luke Young comes to my mind, and I think, why, why is Luke on my mind? God, I'll pray for Luke. And later on, I run into Luke and I say, Luke, I was praying for you while I was driving today. And, and I, just got, I felt like God led me to pray about this and about that. And I just, I just give it to you. There you go. That's prophetic. I gave report on what the Holy Spirit was prompting in me. Could I be wrong? Sure. Could I be off? Maybe. I'm a fallible person. I make mistakes. It ran through the filter of my own soul. I got to be careful about that. But hey, I just submit it to Luke. There you go. Prophecy doesn't have to be, I've, I've used this phrase before. I stole it from our overseer, Clem Ferris. We've got to demystify the prophetic and what it means to be prophetic. Now, when I say words like prophecy, you probably think of a lot of different things. And I want to be sure that we deal with some of those today. And I'm not going to be able to cover them all, but but we're going to be talking about what the scripture has to say about prophecy. Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. If you want to dive in and do more research, in fact, I would challenge you to, encourage you to. I would assign homework, but it's post-graduation, so I can't do that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, it says this. Oh, I I didn't even assign the homework. The homework would be 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. Read those. What does the Bible say about the gifts? What does the Bible say about prophecy? In the chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, what is God teaching that our motivation should be with the gifts of the Spirit? To call down hellfire and brimstone on people? No, our motivation should be love. The heart that we operate in the gifts of the Spirit of whatever your gift is, if it's a gift to serve, if it's a gift to teach, if, if it's a gift of hospitality, if it's a gift of administration, God goes for the heart. He wants your character to be in a place of loving those you are serving and the gifts operate out of that. Paul says this, pursue love. He's just finished the chapter on love. This is 14 verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Any questions? Of course. Of course there is. Paul is encouraging us to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. But for many of us, there's a thing that rises up in us wanting to reject the idea that God would move supernaturally today. I'm too small and insignificant of a person to grasp the magnitude of God doing something through me like that. But don't sell yourself short. That's not what the scripture teaches. Where did you get that idea that God couldn't use you? Where did you get the notion that God wouldn't use you? Where do you get the notion that you're too small? Not the Bible. That's not what God teaches. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. My sons and daughters will prophesy. Even upon my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. God wants to use you in the work of his kingdom. In, in some cases, possibly very powerful ways. But we have to wrestle with what the word of God says. Pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So I just draw the simple fact out of this. God, it's okay to desire to see the gifts at work amongst us. Pursue love. There's an issue of character and integrity there and heart motivation. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So what is Paul thinking when he says this? 
earnestly desire that you would give report. You'd be someone who can bring a message to people from what the Holy Spirit is prompting in you to build them up. Let's read what he continues to say. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in his spirit. I don't have time to go into the gift of tongues today. But it seems to be in the context that the Corinthians are uh, operating in a relatively chaotic way. Things are randomly happening. They're, really, they're kind of out of order. They're not necessarily being evaluated. They really like tongues and, and the gift of tongues. They're probably the opposite of Americans who kind of freak out about that kind of thing. But they really are operating in the tongues. But, but Paul's starting to bring some challenge and correction to them. He, so he's, he's just saying, okay, a guy who speaks in a tongue does this. He's speaking between himself and God. He's uttering mysteries with his spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Or strength and comfort, encouragement. Depends on your translation, how it translates those words. But here's what the, the purpose of prophecy is. It's to be brought to people to strengthen and comfort and encourage. To upbuild. To bring consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. So there's something edifying between the person and God praying in tongues. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Why is Paul drawing attention to the idea that we should earnestly desire to prophesy? Because it builds up the church. He's drawing this contrast to tongues may be good between you and God. And he goes on to say, unless someone interprets, then it will edify the church. Otherwise, it's between you and God. But he's saying this prophetic ministry, this idea that we give report on what we feel like the Holy Spirit is sharing with us, builds the body of Christ. The one, now I want you all to speak in tongues. Any takers? Some of you are on board, but some not. Maybe grew up feeling like tongues must be demonic or something, right? Some of us were taught that as children. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So first of all, we're seeing a motivation here in Paul of drawings. You know, he's, he's drawing attention to the some disorder in Corinthians and how things aren't done in an orderly way. And then he goes on to say, don't be infants. He's really kind of saying it's childish for you to emphasize tongues and not prophecy. Why? Because God's about building the church. It goes back to the heart and the motivation of God. It's not to wow us with amazing things. It's not necessarily to make us feel super special with gifts. He wants to build his people. Remember, the mission of Jesus Christ is to make disciples of all nations. There's a mission that you and I are on. It's part of what we're called to. And these gifts are meant to feed into the mission. Not just be things that, that we enjoy or are entertained by, but have purpose. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. In verse 26, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation. There we go. What's one of the things the Holy Spirit does? He brings revelation. And when we give report on that revelation, we would call that prophecy. Very powerful. So here's what happens. We start talking about prophecy, and undoubtedly, there are some questions that start coming to mind. How does this work? How does it operate? How do I know it's God? How do I know I'm hearing from God? Jerry, you keep saying that, that it's all of our heritage to hear from God, but man, I'm, I'm scared to even consider that God would be speaking. In fact, if God is speaking through me, then isn't it like equivalent with the scripture? And shouldn't we be adding it to our Bibles? And what if I get, get it wrong? Are they going to drag me out in the street and stone me? Like they did in the Old Testament, things like that? Well, those are good questions 
where do we go for the answers? What does the Bible teach us about prophecy? Not what preconceived notions that we have, not what ideas that we have. But I have a picture for you for maybe what some of you imagine when you hear the word prophet or prophecy. Now, some of you don't know who this guy is, right? But anyone with children knows who this guy is. And we don't talk about him. (laughs) We don't talk about Bruno. So you parents could sing it, right? For those of you that don't know, Bruno is part of a cartoon that came out, and he has a gift of seeing into the future. But see, we we get this idea of prophecy, like our eyes need to glow, and God takes over our bodies, and we go into some trance-like state where we're totally out of control. How many of you think of those kinds of things? I mean, if God's going to speak through us, I mean, I'm so fallible, how could I, how could God ever do that? That's not what the scripture teaches us. Even the examples we see in the Bible about prophecy, they don't look like this. We do see that Peter fell into a trance at one point, whatever that means, and he saw into something. We've got to unlearn the things we have learned. Here's the thing, the world around us will influence us and cause us to begin to believe things that aren't true. Notions that we have, philosophies that we have, I mean, I, I mentioned it already once, but times are changing. That does, the truth today is not the same as the truth it was then, but God's truth is timeless and eternal. If you want to know about the gifts, if you want to know about how prophecy is supposed to work and, and how it's done in the church, you've got to go to the Scripture, not just have opinions. Don't come argue with me on your opinions if you're not bringing the Scripture to the table. We have to look at what it says and what it teaches. One of the biggest arguments against prophecy or tongues or any of the gifts is that they ceased. We talked about this weeks ago. Cessationism. The idea that with the first century apostles, the miraculous gifts died out. For some reason, it was just the miraculous ones. But if you read through the New Testament cover to cover, plainly you will not find a scripture that defines there will be an end to these gifts. It's not there. It takes massive conjecture to do that. Now, I haven't done the cessationist argument justice, and I told you that before, but I don't believe it, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But a plain reading of the Scripture looks to me like the intention of the early fathers was this is going to continue. And in fact, if you go back and read the writings of the first century church leaders, I mean, these are, these are guys that, that um, followed up, you know, people like Polycarp and Ignatius, all the way into, you know, the 400s with Augustine, they were witnessing signs and wonders. They were witnessing tongues. They were witnessing prophecy. They were seeing healings. This is historical information. Not to mention, it can't be substantiated, in my opinion, by the scripture that these gifts have ceased. Okay, so if the gifts still exist, though, that's kind of scary. How do we manage that? What does that look like in real time? Then we go to the Bible and we begin to understand God's design. See, God is a brilliant design of the church. First of all, we're a community. If I feel like God, the scripture instructs me that if I feel like God has given me something to share, I have to submit that. I don't get to just come to you and say, God told me, thus saith the Lord, here we go. I don't get to do that. The Bible doesn't teach us to do that. The Bible teaches us to submit what we feel like the Holy Spirit, and that's what it is. We feel like. We sense See, God, this is why we define prophecy as 
you know, I, I like throwing the word merely in here, a merely human translation of divine revelation. God is influencing something in the supernatural in our soul, and we try and find words to translate it. And guess what happens in the translation process? My fallible, corruptible mind and soul engage. And this is why Paul teaches us some of these verses we're going to continue to look at. I'm going to get on with it. We've got to demystify the prophetic. We've got to look at the instructions of the scripture. Obviously, I'm a continuationist, that the gifts continue. But do they continue in all the ways I assume or what I instantly imagine when I think of it? Or do they continue in the way the Bible teaches What does the scripture teach? For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So what's going on in the Corinthian church here? It it seems like there's this sense of disorderliness, chaos. And Paul's bringing some order. Prophesy one at a time. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. He's not Bruno who falls in a trance and doesn't, can't control his own mouth. No, it's an inclination that I'm going to give report. Hey, I'm reporting that I feel like, hey, I'm reporting to you guys, I feel like the Holy Spirit led me to preach this message this week. I'm just reporting to you what I felt like was true. And I submit it to you for your weight and your evaluation, for testing and approval. But then when it is, let's go. Whatever it is. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn. Be encouraged. You're subject to the prophets of spirit. He's not, he's not a God of confusion. So some of this mystical idea of what it must mean to prophesy, we have to lay aside because the scripture doesn't indicate that. There's something orderly about it all. There's also the idea that there's no way I, I can prophesy because I'm speaking the very words of God. I'm sorry, you are not speaking the very words of God. We call that the Bible. In fact, the scripture itself doesn't teach us that. The scripture never says that all prophecy is the written, canon, eternal, uh, all-time word of God. And how do we know that? Because we have King Saul prophesying. We know he's with a company of prophets who don't have books in the Bible. We have prophets that come to Elijah and Elisha. So they were known as prophets. They don't have books in the Bible. There was a school of the prophets. You know, we see Moses' elders are prophesying. That didn't end up in Scripture. Only that they did, but we don't know what they said. We look in the New Testament. You got Philip's daughters that prophesy. We don't know what they said. You know, you got uh, prophets in some of the towns that are named. It doesn't give this idea that all prophecy is meant to be Scripture. The Bible itself doesn't indicate that. So then what do we do with that? Some of these things we got to lay aside and go, is it as simple as reporting? Is it as simple as what I just what I just shared with you? Know, what I just shared with you about Luke is a very simple uh, idea. Yesterday we had the high school seniors here, and we laid hands on and prayed for our high school seniors one at a time. And each one of us that was doing it shared things that we felt like God had given us for the kid. And so, what was really fascinating about the whole thing, and it, it always is this way, it seems like. I I get there, I have one little word and a scripture and. No big deal. I, I start giving it, but then Aaron Schwabauer steps in with something that lines up with that. And Brandon stepped in with something that lined up with that. Jen follows up with something that lines up with that. Pretty soon we're all going, wow, God. That same Holy Spirit is at work in all of us wanting to encourage these kids. Encourage them in their relationship with Him. 
Encourage them with who they are in God. And we take those words and we look. Does it line up with the scripture? Here's another, th- here's another fallacy that we end up thinking about sometimes when it comes to the idea that God speaks. If God's speaking to me and God's speaking to you and God's speaking to you and God's speaking to you, we're talking pandemonium's about to break out, right? Because you're going to go that way and you're going to go that way and you're going to go that way and you're going to think this and you're going to think that. And how do we have any accountability or structure to all that? Well, I'm telling you, the scripture gives us that structure. We are called to submit all these things one to another. It's very frustrating when, when you know, there, this happens. It happens where you've even seen it on the news, like some, God told me to. God told me to do this horrific crime. God told me to divorce my wife. God told me to do this horrible thing. God told me to steal the money. <laughs> God told me it was okay to be an addict. I'm sorry, you don't get, that's not a trump card. We play, this, this, is, this is what Paul's getting after the Corinthians for. Being immature about the gifts. The gifts are meant to build the body of Christ. So if you feel like God is stirring something in you, you are called by scripture to submit that to the community around you and the people in authority. Why does God structure the church with authority? Why does he put elders in place? Why did they have deacons in the New Testament? They're bringing structure and order to the situation. When we get things that we believe are prophetic or from God, they are to be submitted to the community around us. So even the things that we're praying over these seniors, hey, none of us are going to get up there and say, thus saith the Lord infallible word of God. That's foolishness. We're going to go, this is what I think, and I'm going to give report on it. This is what I feel like the Holy Spirit is sharing with me. I'm going to share it with you. And I'm going to do so knowing I'm a totally fallible knucklehead who could get it wrong. So I just give it to you for whatever it's worth. Take it. I hope it encourages you. It's interesting that um, for we know in part and we prophesy in part in 1 Corinthians 13, 9 and you know that does lead to a significant cessationist argument but this idea that we, we, we do have the knowledge, we've got lots of information, we've got the scripture, we've got a lot of things we know, we know in part, we prophesy in part, those things are going to pass away someday. In eternity, a more perfect thing will come. But while we're here, God has given us knowledge and his spirit to guide us in life, to lead us in our journey and decisions. The word prophet and prophecy are more, most often used of ordinary Christians who spoke not with absolute divine authority, but simply reporting things God laid on their hearts and brought to their minds. We see it in the New Testament with Agabus. For those of you that know the story, Agabus says to Paul, uh, the, the Jews are going to bind you in Jerusalem. He ties his hands and feet. You'd have to know the story. I, I don't have time to get into it. That isn't exactly how the story went down. Agabus is reporting what, he, what the Holy Spirit is sharing with him. And in generally speaking, it's completely accurate. But if you pick it apart like an Old Testament prophet, it's not. It was the Romans that did it. You know, again, we look at Philip's daughters prophesying. We have no idea what they prophesied. The scripture seems clear that these instances of prophecy did not have authority on par with the scripture. Again, Paul is encouraging us. Why is Paul giving instruction to the church in Corinth uh, and, and naming prophets in certain churches and all these kind of things if the, if the scripture is about to close with John's writings. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, I don't want to defend the continuationist thing anymore. I want to continue to look at some of the other guidelines that Paul gives us and some ideas. 
Prophecy, like all other gifts, operates for the benefits of the kingdom in full submission to the kingdom's design. One of the things that I think we witnessed in recent uh, years, particularly with the controversies that have gone on in our society, is you can go out on the internet and find a prophecy to say whatever you want. There were some things that really did damage to the body of Christ on the internet through this last election. People claiming that they had these prophetic words that did not come to pass and were not true. What do we do with that? Drag them out in the street and stone them? No, they're fallible people getting on there and delivering fallible messages, making mistakes, getting it wrong. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. We've got all of this emotion and this anger and this frustration and wanting things to change so badly that it's very easy to begin to go, I feel like God's telling me it's going to get better. It's going to be like this. It's going to be like that. Whatever my wish is, and I'm going to prophesy that as though it's prophecy. So when I'm, I'm telling you something, when, I, when I'm, people give me the, email me this stuff all the time. Read this prophetic word. Watch this prophetic thing. I'm like, I don't know that person. I don't know where they go to church. I don't know if they're submitted to anybody. I don't know what their doctrine is. I don't know if they really care about the body of Christ. I don't care if they've been accurate in the past. When there's no relationship with the body of Christ, when there's no submission to authority, when there's no submission to the rules and parameters of the kingdom of God, I'm not accepting it, period. Because the scripture instructs me to do so, to weigh those things that are said. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So when these things come our way, so we, we, we don't want to quench the spirit. We won't, don't want to despise prophecies. It seems that perhaps that might have been going on in Thessalonica at the time. And people can get that way, where they just despise the prophetic word. Because it just seems like nonsense to them. We don't want to get there. But we don't want to quench the, you know, we don't want to quench the spirit. But we've got to weigh what is said. If I come to you and say, I feel like God had me share this with you, then, then you better weigh it. Don't just take it hook, line, and sinker. Does it line up with the word? Does it line up with the authority of the kingdom and the structure of the church? Does it bear witness with other people? Does it bear witness with me? God didn't design this for lone rangers. He designed this as a community, a family that works together to be built up. And when we do things like rogues and independent people, we get it wrong because that's not how the Bible teaches us. So if you're going through, you know, some of you are really into that kind of thing and you like to hear what these prophetic people on the internet are saying, that's fine, but you better weigh it. You better, you better know who these people are relationally. You better know who they're submitted to. You better know who their circles are and what they're weighing this stuff according to and whether or not it bears witness with you. And if you are one of those people that send me those things, I'm sorry, 99% of the time I delete them without ever looking at them because they have no authority and no connection in my life. Sorry. I'm not, I, I think we have to be mature in our thinking about these things. And because we're fallible people, our emotions get caught up in it. See, when something comes through the Spirit and we're reporting it, we're saying, I feel like God is doing something in my life or causing me to... My, it comes through my soul. You know, I've got emotions. I've got thoughts. I've got opinions. And I will add them into what God is saying. Or I'll try and analyze it. That's one of the things praying over people sometimes. God will give you a picture and, and, and so you deliver the picture. But you don't have to interpret it. We always feel like we've got to interpret it. We've got to add all this stuff to it and make it make sense for the person. Just give it whatever it is. Submit it. 
See, there shouldn't, in my opinion, there is no safer place to make a mistake than in the church. So if you feel like God is stirring something in you and you're questioning it or you're wondering, send it to me. I'll pray through it with you. And if we get it wrong, we got it wrong or we'll work through that. It should be, this should be a safe training ground to learn to hear from God, to learn how to give report on what you're hearing from God, to test things according to the scripture. But if we're just lone rangers out on our own, not collaborating on these things, what good is it? What did Paul say the purpose of prophecy is? To build up the church. Strive to excel in the gifts that build the church. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Here's John teaching. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. There are a lot of people that don't have the interest of the church at heart that are prophesying, or whatever you'd call it. They don't, have, they don't have the building of the body of Christ. Their interest is judgment and criticism and tearing it apart or getting their way in elections. That's not God. That's not to build the body of Christ. It's just a harsh reality we have to face and wrestle with. On the other hand, if somebody gets it wrong and they're repentant and, and they're submitted and generally they seem to get it right, but that's fine. They're not speaking on behalf of God. He didn't give his spirit to just a few people. He gave his spirit to all his children. I think it's why, we don't, why the New Testament is so much smaller than the Old Testament. Because once the Holy Spirit of God came, Jesus said, he will teach you. He will remind you. He will convict you. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to lead us in life. Are you with me? You okay? You're awfully quiet. Am I a little intense today? My kids made fun of me this week. Your kids can do really good impressions of you. Did you know that? Gracie goes, who am I? (laughs) Like, you punk, you're grounded. I want to read a passage out of a book. Would you hand me that book, Johnny, please? See, this creates tension in you, doesn't it? I mean, especially if this is not familiar. For some of you, I'm preaching to the choir. But for some of you, this is all new kind of ideas. Does God speak? Am I okay to share what I feel like the Holy Spirit is? Yes, I believe you can. I believe the scripture instructs us in that and gives us lots of guidelines to do it. And no, you're not speaking the infallible, eternal, scriptural word of God. But God does work through his Holy Spirit to encourage and strengthen us and equip us and those kinds of things. So we're called to weigh these things uh, according to the scripture. And, and I want to read from Sam Storm's book, Understanding Spiritual Gifts, A Comprehensive Guide. This is one of the best resources, uh, not just on this subject, but anything to do with the Holy Spirit. Uh, he does a great job with this. How do we judge or evaluate prophetic words? The word of God never call, okay, the word of God, the scripture. Okay, this is where we go to for our truth. The word of God never calls on Christians to suspend their critical faculties and naively or gullibly embrace as truth everything that purports to be from the Holy Spirit. We are repeatedly exhorted to make use of our minds and exercise discernment. This is certainly the case when it comes to our response to prophetic words. Twice the apostles Paul spoke to this point. Christians often struggle to strike a proper balance between two essential truths that we find in Scripture. On one hand, 
We long to give the Spirit full reign in our midst. We have no desire to quench the fire of His presence and power. And that's what Paul's saying. Do not despise prophecies. Do not quench the Spirit. Yes, we desire that. We want the power of the Spirit at work amongst us. But on the other hand, we acknowledge the importance of diligently assessing or judging the biblical validity of what purports to be a revelatory disclosure through some prophetic utterance. Paul was keenly aware of this tension and provided us with this helpful instruction. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything. So these things are going to come to us. We weigh them. Sometimes we toss some of it out because like, ah, you know, and, and, and if we're humble people, I mean, if Jen comes to me and she goes, hey, I got this, take it or leave it. I go, Jen, I really think this is from the Lord. I think these couple other things, I'm not sure we'll keep praying about it, but I really feel like this particular part of it is from the Lord. You know, we can do that. Why? Because we're humble with one another. One another. If, if we're able to humble ourselves and say, and, and submit something, but when we show up and go, God told me, end of story. That's it. You're, con- you're in contradiction with the scripture. You're in contradiction with community, accountability, and everything that comes with it. That isn't God's design. And in some cases, you know, you just go, okay. If you feel like God's telling you to divorce your spouse, I, d- I disagree according to scripture, but you're going to do it anyway. That'll be between you and God, I guess. These are hard things, aren't they? Very real. Wayne Grudem said this. And, and when we're talking about hearing from the Spirit. We, again, if you have some cautions, like what about, you know, some, some people wake up in the morning and they ask God what color underwear they're supposed to wear that day. You know, and I'm just like, I don't, you know, maybe, I, I'm sure you can. I'm not sure what he's, if he's going to care or if he's going to tell you. But Wayne Groom kind of talks about this and, and I, you know, we, I don't want to make too much fun because I don't, God, God does do crazy things. Have you read the Bible? He does crazy things. He has his people do crazy things. But, but we have to remember some things. So anyway, Wayne says this. Yet there is an opposite danger of excessive reliance on subjective impressions for guidance and must be clearly guarded against. People who continually seek subjective messages from God to guide their lives must be cautioned that subjective personal guidance is not a primary function of New Testament prophecy. And that's true. When we look at what Paul teaches about New Testament prophecy, it's meant to be delivered to the church for the building of the church and the saints. Not necessarily just so you can choose which color underwear to wear, right? Now, I'm not saying, you know, you got to be careful with that. God, he will steer you in funny ways at times. But we all have, we have to come back to what the scripture teaches. What are those parameters? Those parameters of community, accountability, submission, and whatnot. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So we all have different grace in our lives, different abilities, ways God has graced us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. There was an expectation that there would be prophecy being done in the church. That people would be ministering to each other prophetically or to the church at large. Let it be done in proportion to your faith. You know, just I'm standing up here teaching. I didn't stand up here and teach the day after I got saved. I learned. I grew. I changed. God knocked me upside the head a lot of times along the way. And it's the same thing is true with prophecy. You don't wake up one day and just hear from God, crystal clear, rocket science, perfect every time. No, it's just a little at a time. 
and a little bit of testing and a little bit of faithfulness and a little bit of submission. And God will continue to trust you with more and more and more. And there are some people amongst us that are actually gifted in this way. They just have the ability to sense what the Holy Spirit is saying and deliver it to other people. And there are, there's great biblical guidelines for that. And just like, just like with teaching or other things, there's lots of things that can go wrong. False teaching is one of the most egregious things that goes on in the world, in my opinion. I think it does a lot more damage than false prophecy ever did. Or we have people that have gifts of administration or gifts of service. We can get it wrong, all of them. But God is growing us up in proportion to our faith. Within our family, right here, we have the ability to develop and grow in those things. Now, there, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. What are they reporting? They're just simply reporting prophets were a component of the New Testament church. We don't know necessarily all of them. We, we, we know that they were apparently recognized as guys that had prophetic gifts. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them. Holy Spirit is working through these prophetic guys in Antioch and he commissions Paul and Silas. Now they may not have realized at the moment what a big deal that was going to be. Who Paul would really become in the body of Christ and the letters that he would write that are now part of the canon of Scripture. But it all started with the Holy Spirit just going, I want you to do this. Hey, when you read what, what the elders in Jerusalem, they sent a letter out to the churches because there were some controversies. And I don't have time to get into that. But the way they phrased it is they said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to put no further burden upon you. There's this collaboration between the elders at Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit, and they all seem to come to a sense of agreement that they didn't want to put more of a burden on the other churches. What do we learn from that? They were in this relationship with the Holy Spirit in making of decisions and what they did. And they came to a, a place of peace with it. It's, I mean, how do you, what does that even mean? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit that I preached this message this week. I don't know, there's nothing incredibly mystical about that. Do not neglect the gift you have. 1 Timothy 4.14 Paul encouraging Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. These are biblical models for you and I. And Paul's instructing Timothy and reminding him. Verse one, uh, chapter 1 verse 18 in 1 Timothy. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Timothy had received prophetic ministry, prophetic encouragement of some kind. We don't know what it was. It wasn't of biblical proportion. It isn't recorded in the scripture. But he received that ministry in the New Testament church to encourage him in his journey and who he was to become. Okay, all these things aside, here's what I want you to walk away with today. You hear from God. Sometimes God will have you share that with other people. The Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Don't be afraid to do that. But don't do so like a thus saith the Lord infallible person. You are fallible. So am I. We just submit these things in a relational way to one another. And watch and see maybe how God would use you to encourage others. Or use someone to encourage you. But we weigh these things and we look at them according to the scripture. And we don't have to get in this fanatical, chaotic, mystical, disorderly idea, but actually just one more powerful thing at work amongst us, encouraging 
and strengthening the body of Christ. Would you stand, please? Are you challenged a little bit? Yeah, I am too. That's life. God's always challenging and stirring and leading us. And we trust him with that journey and that leadership. Lord, we come before you today. God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your, uh, your instruction you gave to us. We don't, that we're not just set loose into chaos, but that you designed your body to function in both order and power. Both order and power together, working to see people built, to see lives transformed, to see the gospel renewing hearts and minds, bringing more children into your kingdom, into your family. God, I pray for every person here, whatever place they're at with what was taught today, whether complete disagreement or bored with it, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be stirring in each one leading us all closer and closer to you, more and more in alignment with your truth. And God, I pray that you would be inspiring each one about who they are in your kingdom, about how they've been empowered to serve in some way, that we all play a part, and that this is our mission. Praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.